Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. I'm going to continue with the message I started last week on mercy and grace. And my goal for us, for myself, for my family, is to operate in more grace and more mercy this coming year. We all want it, we all need it, and it's available to all of us. That's the good news. So, today, the title of my message today is There's Hope. Because sometimes life is difficult, right? Sometimes precious saints pass. Sometimes we get sick. Sometimes there's car accidents. Sometimes, I mean, we live in a fallen world. Now, this world has been redeemed. We have a new body coming, but it isn't here yet, if you haven't figured that out. We want it to be, but it's not here yet. Okay, so we get sick sometimes. We need mercy. We need grace. So there's hope because God's grace is sufficient for all of our needs. Period. Okay, sometimes though, maybe we forget it. Sometimes, sometimes... Um, the suffering is so bad that we don't even know where to turn or what to do sometimes. Uh, we may feel like people have abandoned us or whatever the situation is. But God's grace is still there no matter how hard, no matter how difficult it gets. So today, I don't have a lot of Scripture I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share some obviously. But I want to share testimonies with you today. Real people that went through real things, they appropriated God's mercy and grace, and they came out on the other side. Okay? Because I, I, think, I think we can really be encouraged with testimonies. Okay. Last week, what I shared was, I, I kind of made a, a distinction between mercy and grace. And I did admit that both of them are from God. Both of them are God's favor in our lives, right? Did you do anything to deserve mercy? No. Did you do anything to deserve grace? No. When you get saved, do you do anything to deserve mercy? No. Sometimes we think that once we're saved, we need to kind of work for it. No. How are you going to work for grace and mercy? I mean, it's, that doesn't make sense, does it? So, before we're saved, everyone knows we're saved by grace, but sometimes we act in the kingdom, it's like we actually have to earn it. God's so remember last week when I told you how to get more mercy and grace in your life? We talked about Hebrews 4.16, Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Right? I said you could show more mercy to people. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will find mercy. Right? You can do that. You can pray blessings over people, right? Um, but, you know, I was thinking about this. There's really nothing we can do to get grace. Because isn't that what grace is? It comes whether you do it or not. So, actually, now that we're in the kingdom, where does our, why do we have grace and mercy? Well, it's because we're in this covenant relationship with God. And He's got our back, right? So, I mean, I pray every day for my wife and my children and for people in the church. And I ask God to keep them safe. I ask God to protect them from the evil one. I pray God will multiply mercy and peace on their lives. But what if I forget to pray something? Can I cover every single contingency with my prayer? No. 
That would be ridiculous. So it's not like I'm going to cover everything I, I can with prayer and that's, I'm, it's like that's going to earn the mercy and grace for that day. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying don't pray. Obviously we pray. But I'm saying we're in the relationship with Jesus Christ. He's already promised to work all things together for good. He's already promised to protect us and to save us. He's already promised to bless us. He's already prom- I mean, that's just part of the package, right? When we downloaded salvation, remember the example I used last week? What got downloaded? Grace and mercy. So even as Christians, we cannot earn grace and mercy. Don't think you're going to pray more and sing more and do more to get it. You can't do it. Okay? That's last week. This week, our, His grace is sufficient for us. That's what I want to talk about. His grace is sufficient for us. I want to look at the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15.9 You guys remember uh, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and there were false teachers, false apostles, Judaizers that were poisoning the Corinthians' mind against Paul. I mean, that would be terrible. And so Paul kind of has to defend himself to the Corinthian church. And here's what he writes in verse 9. He says, For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be exalted, to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. So the first thing I want to talk to you about, there's grace to do the work of the ministry. Question. Do you, what's your ministry goal for 2018? I, I haven't thought about it. Or I don't know. Or I'm going to do the same thing I did in 2017. That's what God showed me to do. That's, that's what I'm, I'm just going to keep doing it. Well, that's good. But we need grace and mercy for ministry. So what is Paul saying here? He's calling himself the least of the apostles because he persecuted the church. So when you have someone persecuting the church one day and the next day is an apostle that labors more than all the others, how do you explain that? Grace, right? And who are these? He said, I... I labored even more than all of them. Who are the them? The other apostles, right? James, Peter, John. He's just saying, hey, I don't know how it happened. One day I was putting people in prison and and giving approval to their death. The next minute, I'm an apostle in the church. How can that be? It's unbelievable. So Paul is completely amazed by grace. There's no doubt about it. But he says, I labored, yet not I. That's one of those, what? <laughs> what do you mean, I labored, yet I didn't labor? Make up your mind, Paul. Which one was it? Did he labor? Did he not labor? Well, we know that in the kingdom, it's a little strange, right? God, for some reason, condescends to use human beings to do His work on earth. But yet, He empowers us to do it. So that's why Paul said, look, I labored. I actually went out and did something. I got up. I got on the ship. I I traveled. 
I went through hardships. I preached. I taught. I healed. I exhausted myself. I didn't have food. I got shipwrecked. I was stoned. I did all those things. He says, I labored. But yet he said, but really, not I, but the grace of God with me. And the only, I was thinking, I don't know if you know what a vacuum boost is, like a vacuum assist, but it's kind of like when we purpose to step out in faith, it's like this grace wave picks us up and empowers us to do the work of the ministry. It's just, that's just how God works. I, I, it's hard to explain it. So how did Paul label, labor even more abundantly than all of them? It's by grace. So we want to think going forward now in 2018, some of you may need a renewed uh, ministry vision for what God has called you or called your family to do. And He will give you the grace to do that. Some of you are already laboring. You already have things that God has called you to do. Maybe God wants to increase. Maybe God wants to have you labor more abundantly than you did last year. Okay, It'll be by grace. But certainly it's worth praying about, talking to your wives, talking to your husbands, talking to your family, or if you're single, talking to God directly, talking to leaders of the church, talking to a life group, talk to somebody about, hey, you know, I think God might be calling me to do this. What do you think? Okay, so that's the work of the ministry. And I was thinking, you know, we admire men like Billy Graham and women, Beth Moore, Elizabeth Elliot, who, whoever is somebody to be admired, Dr. Falwell, because they, their ministries have impacted so many people, right? And we, we look up to them kind of. Um, but really, we don't idolize them, obviously, but we're inspired by what they've done. And we're inspired by their sacrifice. And we should also be amazed at the grace of God in their lives. And it's okay to look at Billy Graham, not to beat yourself up that you're not evangelizing like he did, but to say, you know, Lord, I really would like to impact more people's lives. You know, I, I really would. Would you grace me this year to do that? And he will. So, you know, some of you, everybody has a gift from God. It, at least one gift far as I can see. And you are placed in a sphere of influence with your gift. What's your sphere of influence? I'll tell you right now. It's your household. It's, it's your uh, community that you live in. It's your job that you work at. It's the school that you go to. It could be an online ministry. If, you got, if you're big in Facebook, if you're big in social media, that's your sphere of influence. The reason you like social media so much is just not to satisfy your desire for posting pictures. It's actually a little bit more than that. Now, God wants you to enjoy posting pictures. He's put that in you to do it. But if you just eat and breathe and drink social media, I would say God, God might be anointing you to do some kind of work of the ministry in social media. You might want to start a blog. You might be a big Facebooker. I don't know what, what you can do on social media because I don't use it that much. But I just know it's real and you can, you can reach hundreds of thousands, millions of people within an hour. Isn't that amazing? Some of you should do that if you're not already doing it. If you are doing it, I'd kind of be interested to find out what God's doing with you. So let me know. Okay, so this year... 
God's grace is sufficient for the work of the ministry, right? Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage you to, to pray for a new year. Fast and pray and seek God for what He'll have for you. Okay. God's grace is sufficient for hobbies. You guys realize it's spiritual to do hobbies? Isn't that something? So I'm giving you permission. You don't have to feel guilty. Those of you that like to crochet, go for it. Those of you that like to take pictures and photographs, go for it. Those of you that love running and jogging, do it. You say, why? Why is that so spiritual? Because we have dominion on the earth. God put us here to have dominion on the earth. Dominion means that we're going to take care of what God's given us in the creation, but we're also going to enjoy it. We're going to study it. Right? If God on the seventh day said He created everything and on the seventh day He rested, what did He say? It is good. God thought it was good. He enjoyed his cre- what making His creation for us so we can enjoy His creation. So, if, if, if there's really some kind of hobby that God has placed in your heart, ask Him to show you how to use it. Because if you have a ministry through photography, God can really expand it. And who knows what God will do with photography or running. We used to have, uh, Stephen, you guys do like a bike club? You, you, you still might be doing that. And I know you got people together on bikes. And uh, I mean, I know you guys had great fellowship, but I'm sure some encouragement and some ministry was exchanged over those years. And you got to love riding bikes because that's what you like to do. So I just want to give you guys permission to go for your hobbies this year and see if God will anoint it and use it for His glory, right? I remember um, a number of years ago I was hiking with some friends and we wanted to go up and climb Mount Rainier in Washington State and you need to be on a rope team. So we hired Rainier Mountaineering to take us up and... You know, the first day they train you in all kinds of rescue techniques because you're going up where there's you know, crevasses and you have an ice axe and pick and you're wearing crampons on your boots so you don't fall and die and stuff like that. So that's the first day, that training. Second day, we hike up to Camp Muir at 10,000 feet and there's like this little base camp up there. So you, the goal was to, to go to sleep at 6 p.m., wake up around 11 or 12, uh, and hike all night up to the peak because during the day the snow bridges melt. You don't want to fall through the snow bridges, so we wake up at midnight and we hike all night while they're frozen over. So I'm going to sleep at 6 p.m. and I have my contacts in. And this is before the days of gas permeable contact lenses. And you're not supposed to sleep with your contacts. And I just had this picture in my mind of like, I forgot to bring my case take out my contacts and put them in my case. And so I said, God, this isn't good. I mean, I was picturing the contacts like being glued in my eyes and I wouldn't be able to get them out. And I was really distraught about this. And I said, God, I can't, I can't go up there. I said, what am I? I was thinking, well, am I going to put them in my water bottle? I mean, what am I, I going to do? But I said, God, please help me. And... Uh, and next thing I know, my eyes were really watering. And I wasn't crying. My eyes were just really watering. And in my mind, that's what I needed 
God was showing me, listen, I'm, I'm going to have your eyes water to show you that your contacts are not going to stick in your eyes. I brought you to this mountain. I'm going to give you the grace to get up to the top. And when that thought came to me, then I just wept because I thought, wow, God is actually with me on the mountain. <laughs> he actually cares <laughs> that I'm on this mountain and he wants me to make it up to the top. So God's grace was there in my contacts. So we wake up at 11, 12. So we're hiking up the mountain and you get oxygen. You know, the oxygen is thin. You feel nauseated. Your legs are like noodles. You just want to die type of a thing. <coughs> Fun hobby, right? So at 13,000 feet, that was the last chance to turn around and go back. A third, of the, a third of the team did not go up to the top. So we're sitting there on, the, on this really steep uh, glacier, and the guides are going around asking everybody if they think they could make it up to the top because it's serious. They, uh, you can't mess around up there. So they're asking people, and people are saying, no, I can't do it. I was thinking, I don't think I can do it. I mean, I'm, I'm beat. I feel. I just want to throw up. I don't want to eat anything. I just want to die type of a thing because that's how you feel at that elevation. So I really didn't know what I was going to say. So what they do is these people that are staying back, they give them a sleeping bag and say, all right, just wait on the side of the mountain here and we'll be back for you. <laughs> I'm like, these people are crazy. <clears throat> you pay these guys hundreds of dollars for this. But anyway, the, the guy comes to me. And he said, Dadio, can you make it? And deep within me, this wasn't for me, this voice just, I found myself saying, I'm going to make it. I'll walk until I drop. And I got up. And that was not for me. That was the Holy Spirit energizing me with grace to get me up and get me to the top of the mountain. Because God brought me to the mountain. He wanted me to get to the top of the mountain so He could get glory. And that I could stand here today and give Him glory for what He did years ago. Isn't that amazing? But see, God's grace is in the hobbies, isn't it? What, what's so spiritual about climbing a mountain? Well, God has all kinds of purposes. It's to share with people like you. It's to share with other people that I've told before. I mean, I've typed this stuff up. My children are going to read about this stuff. That God's grace is sufficient for me. I got to the top of the mountain, and my legs were like noodles. I couldn't, as I was hiking back down, I kept falling down. My legs just wouldn't support me. <laughs> so the guides had to uh, actually take my backpack and carry it for me while I kind of slid, half slid and half fell back down the mountain. <laughs> but God's grace is sufficient for our hobbies. God's grace is sufficient to do the work of the ministry. God's grace is sufficient for your children for your grandchildren, for your nieces, for your nephews. Um, anyone have unsaved kids? You don't need to raise your hand. Uh, this is more a rhetorical question. If you have unsaved children, do you want God's grace to save your children? You better believe it. And I told you when I was preaching a message on Jesus coming back, I didn't want Jesus to come back until my children get saved. Then I want Jesus to come back. I mean, do you hear what I'm saying? Now, that's, that's God's business. I don't, I don't fret over that. But we want, our, we want grace for our children. We need grace. Some of you have children who's, who have maybe physical conditions, right? Some may have children that have ADHD propensity. Some may have children with emotional problems. Some may have grandchildren. Some may have cousins and 
whoever, that have difficult things going on in their lives, right? Well, God's grace is all over that. It really is. I mean, uh, just a couple weeks ago, a brother was sharing his testimony. And he said that when he was uh, a little, he was a, a baby, his mom died. And um, Christian family, he had a bu- brothers and sisters. I don't know, four brothers, sisters, whatever. So th- this boy is born, and his, his, his mother dies. I think it was cancer. Um, and his father got remarried. It's a Christian family. So he's growing up in a Christian family. And for some reason, this boy had the wherewithal to think, why was my mom taken from me as this, as this little kid's growing up as a boy? I'm, yeah, I'm talking six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Everything. This boy's saying, and then he comes to the conclusion it's not really fair that I don't have my mother. Now, he had a stepmother, and his stepmother was really nice. She was a Christian woman, but he, he started to get upset with God that his mom, his real mom, wasn't there. This little boy just couldn't understand why God would take his mother. And he was angry, he was bitter, he was upset. He couldn't really follow God. You know, he would go to church with his family, but. Um, he just could not uh, get over this. So he was 13 years old. He was being driven to school one day by this woman who was a friend of the family. I guess they were uh, uh, carpooling or something. They, ha- they all had kids going to the same school. So this woman's driving, uh, the friend of the family is driving this little boy, this 13 year old boy, and the others. And she turns around and she, she says to him, She says, You know, Joe. She said, I am so thankful. I knew your mother and I knew your family. They're such a blessing to me. You know, Joe, I was at the funeral when your mom died. And I wasn't saved. And I got saved at the funeral. And then I went home and I told my husband. And he got saved. And Joe, there, there were other people at the funeral that got saved. And my kids are saved, Joe. And this 13-year-old boy, he just, you know, he lost it. And um, because he was overwhelmed with the grace and mercy of God. And he went home and he lost it again. He just broke down at God's goodness to him. And he knew God was real. And he knew God was loving. And this woman said to him, your mother's death was not in vain. Because that's what the grace of God does. It takes all the maladies of this world. It takes what Satan means for evil and turns it to good. I mean, grace just triumphs over everything. It's a trump card. If you ever played cards with a trump, you guys know what trump can do. That's what God's grace and mercy do. They trump anything the enemy does, anything the flesh does, anything that our foolishness does. There's always hope because there's always mercy and there's always grace. And I don't care what your children, where they're at, God's grace is there for them. And you as the parent, the caretaker, caregiver, you are the one that's going to usher mercy and grace. God's going to use you to help usher that mercy and grace to your children. So the bottom line is, do you ever give up on anybody? No. God doesn't give up on us. God did not give up 
on this 13-year-old boy. And he ministered to me because I needed to hear that it's not in vain. Because I was getting I was getting weary and I was getting tired doing some things with my own family. And God knew that. So I emailed this guy and said, Hey man, you, you really encouraged me. I need to get up with you and hear your story. So I did. I took him out to lunch and, and he shared more of it. And I just love it. I love God's grace and God's mercy and what he can do. So don't don't give up on your children, your grandchildren, your cousins your nieces, your nephews, your uncles, your aunts, whoever. We can't give up. And if you're tired, it's okay. Say, God, I'm tired, but there's grace and mercy that will help you make it through. So God's grace is sufficient for works of ministry. God's grace is sufficient for hobbies. God's grace is sufficient for our children. Here's one you'll like. God's grace is sufficient for those who have been impaled by stakes. What do I mean by that? 2 Corinthians 12.7 Again, Paul, Paul uh, in the process of having to defend himself <coughs> to the Corinthian church. This is 7-10. through 10. He says this, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. That Greek word for thorn is a stake. You know, like, you ever been camping? You have one of those big metal stakes. That's that's what that was. Obviously, it's it's kind of a, it's not a literal stake that he's talking about here. But he was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, or another version says to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this thing, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, where I rather boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Here's what gets me about this Scripture. Okay, we all know the Apostle Paul, right? Shipwrecked three times. Stoned for dead. Right, left over a basket. Um, if people were chasing you down, you know how you watch movies, crime movies? Have you realized that just about every movie you watch is a good versus evil theme? Right? And we're always rooting for the good guys. Well, when people were being chased, what emotion would you have if you were being chased and someone was trying to kill you? Fear. Anxiety. Right? Big time fear. Now, nobody, I don't think anybody's, I mean, I've, I've had bullies you know, try to pick on me and beat me up when I was a kid, so I know that fear, but it's not like Paul. So he's got, he's got these Judaizers trying to kill him. The Gentiles are trying to kill him, right? <clears throat> he was eventually killed and martyred for his faith. He's got all this suffering to do the work of the ministry, establish the church of God, you would think that's enough, right? It's not enough. What has God put on him? A thorn in his flesh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so he's got, he's got all that on him, but now, just because he's had this revelation of being in the third heaven, now he's got to have some kind of messenger from Satan tormenting. 
What's, what's God's response to it? Paul, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, I'm going sh- to show what I can do through you for all future ages until I return. That was his privilege. That's his privilege. He's, he's the example. Next, under Christ, he's probably the example, isn't he? So I would whine and complain, that's too much, God. But see, don't we have things happen to us that are difficult? Whether it's a sickness or whether I've had two surgeries on my knee and my knee hurts all the time or whether I wake up several times a week with headaches or whether you have this or whether this happens or whether this breaks down or whether our pipes freeze. I mean, life just happens, doesn't it? But what's interesting is it's upside down is my power is perfected in weakness. So Paul says, oh, okay, I get it now. I'm just going to rejoice that I'm weak. That I'm poor, pitiful, naked, wretched, and blind. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) That's something. So, no matter what kind of a thorn you may have in your flesh, the only thing I could say is just go with it. Don't fight against it. Say, okay, God, I feel terrible. I really don't want to minister today. You know, I used to think that if I was sick, that would exempt me from having to serve or minister in a certain situation. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But, I mean, let's say you're laying in bed. Well, I, I was laying in bed one time. I had bronchitis. I'm in bed, right? And uh, <laughs> I'm in bed for on a farm. And my roommate comes running in and says, John, John, come out quickly. There's a calf that's stuck in the mother and you need to help me. I'm like, dude, I'm sick. <laughs> you know, go away. <laughs> and, you know, you just don't have the right to lay in bed and be sick when something needs, somebody needs served, right? So I got up and we went out and we tried to save the calf. And we tied a rope to it and tried to pull it out of the tractor, but um, we couldn't do it. And actually, I think we lost both of them. It's kind of sad, but I just learned something from that is being sick does not exempt us from serving people. I mean, in all, any parent that's been sick with children, what rest do you get? <laughs> you can forget it. <laughs> you really can forget it. <clears throat> so, you know, is it fair to have to do the work of the ministry to serve people when we don't feel good? But that's not really the question. Is it's, The question is, is there grace that's sufficient for us power being made perfect in weakness. That's the issue. So what we have to say is, okay, God, I just want to die. I'd really like to go home and be with you right now. However, I need to go do this. <laughs> so, Lord, I need grace. I need mercy. Help me to do it with a good attitude. Because when we serve, when we're sick, don't we want people to kind of secretly know that we're a little bit sick so we can get a little self-pity going? <laughs> okay? So, <laughs> That, that's not what the Scripture says. <laughs> it doesn't mention the self-pity piece. Okay, so yes, God's grace is sufficient when we have thorns. Okay. Now, what greater example is there than Paul in the Scripture? Well, there's only one. 
Okay. So what I'm about to read you, if you, if you, if you really think about it, you'll be shocked. You'll be stunned with what I'm about to say. Okay. This is our example. What Paul did, I can't even comprehend. What Jesus did is just amazing. So John 19. This really hit me as I was studying this. God really opened my mind to see something here. Okay, so Jesus is you know, going to the cross. So verse 25. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother, the disciple, and the disciple whom he loved, that was John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour the disciple took into took her into his own household. Okay, what's the what's the big deal about that? I mean, John was going to look after Jesus' mother. You know, that's nice. Was Jesus in an air-conditioned lawyer's office setting up care for his mother? Where was Jesus when he was doing this? Okay, so let's, let's, let's explain this now. So, so Jesus gets beat up, right? Mocked. Then they scourge him, whip him, strike him, curse him, spit on him. They give him the cross to carry, the wooden beam to carry. By the time he actually gets up the hill on Golgotha, the guy is completely wiped out, right? So now they take the literal stakes and nail him to the cross. So now he's almost dead due to asphyxiation and and whatever. I mean... The guy is in incredible pain. But see, it's not even the physical part. On top of that, there's the mental anguish. What did Jesus say in the garden? He said, Father, if there's another way, I'd really rather not go through this. I'm not so sure it was because of the physical side, although it probably was. Jesus was about to be punished by His Father for the sins of billions of people for all of eternity. Okay, Jesus was going to take that punishment upon Himself. I think that's a big load to carry, would you say? So, so Jesus is on the cross. He's about to face the full wrath for our sins plus the death and pain and suffering of the cross. And what's the guy doing? He's ministering on the cross. Now here's what's amazing to me is why didn't he do that before he went to the cross? Okay, so before he goes to Gethsemane, he gets up with John and says, listen, man, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to raise on the third day, blah, blah, blah. I need you to take care of my mother. He didn't do that. It's almost like there was a plan. I don't know, is that, is that a stretch or not? I mean, certainly God doesn't do things by chance or randomly, does He? It's almost like God is showing the entire earth for all time what His Son can do on a cross. His Son can minister under the worst conditions you can imagine. But that's not all who He ministered to. Who else did He minister to? 
the thief, right? He's witnessing to the thief on the cross. The guy's dying on a cross. He's about to face the wrath for the sins of the world, and he's witnessing. You know, um, I've done evangelism over the years, and it's kind of like our thinking is, well, it's too cold outside to really take a group out witnessing. That's sad. <laughs> so sad. Oh, God, forgive me for even thinking that. He's witnessing to the guy, the thief on the cross, right? <laughs> and the guy gets saved. <clears throat> I tell you the truth, you will be with me today in paradise. How could he even speak? You guys hear what I'm saying? Is it okay to minister when we're sick? Yeah. Is it okay to minister if our car breaks down? If I break my leg, is it okay if I still minister? Yeah. I'm, I am such a crybaby sometimes. Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. That's all I can say. When you look at Paul and you look at Jesus, what can you say? Forgive me. <clears throat> okay. God's grace is sufficient for those under extreme duress. Um, God's grace is sufficient for those involved in extreme personal tragedy. Um, so I, I'm talking about the Scripture with Paul and Jesus, but now we'll talk about some real people that have gone through something extreme. Um, are we able to play the video? If you've given me a thumbs up. Um, you guys have probably heard of the Barrick family uh, back in 2006. There was a, uh, a family of four. One girl, Jennifer, she was at LCA, and she had a brother, Joshua. Uh, they were at a church service in 2006, and <clears throat> you know Jennifer's just singing away in the choir. I mean, high school student. So they're driving home that night, and of course, it's night; it's dark. Well, this drunk driver in a truck. His headlights are not on. 80 miles an hour. And so this family, the Barrick family, he doesn't have his headlights on. They can't see. They, they, they couldn't even see him coming. They, this guy creams them at 80 miles an hour head-on collision. And you'll see a picture of, of, of some things here in a second if this video plays. But what's amazing is they all should have died. I mean, there's no doubt about that except for the grace and mercy of God, they should all be dead in heaven. But for some reason, God didn't want this family to die. And this family has paid an amazing price to show and be, I don't know, what's the word, um, like a trophy of God's grace on earth. Paul was a trophy. We, we've used that expression before. God wants to... Remember I told you from Ephesians last week that God wants to display this surpassing great greatness of His riches in Christ? Well, sometimes God just wants to do that. You know, you just see the, God, the goodness of God all over you. Um, I encourage you to watch their other videos on YouTube. She was in a coma, I don't know if it said that, for six months. Um, and when she came out of it, she really couldn't talk. It may have even been in the coma. She, she could pray, 
and prays, but she couldn't talk to people. And actually, a videotape where she can hardly talk, she slurs, but then when she praises God and prays, she's speaking normally. And it, it's on the videotape, you can watch it. And I'm like, this is incredible. You know, <clears throat> but she paid a price. Um, she's still paying a price. She says she threw up every single day for four and a half years. She has headaches, eye problems. I mean, her body was broken. You don't get hit at 80 miles an hour. I mean, God allowed her body to, to be broken. It reminded me of Jacob, right? You know, his hip was dislocated. You know, painful. I don't ever had a dislocated uh, limb. It's painful. He had to go the rest of his life like that. <clears throat> but I guess the point is, I would not want a ministry if I had to go through what she went through. And but again, it's not that we premeditate these things. You don't. They don't plan for that. I mean, there they are in church praising God, driving home, and they get creamed. You have to have God's grace or you have nothing. They're not going to pray that morning. Oh God, please protect us from getting creamed after we leave church tonight. You're not going to cover that. It's just God is with us. Who can be against us? And what Satan means for evil, God works for good. And now they travel all over the country. Isn't that amazing? So again, the only thing I can say is, God forgive my whining. That's the only thing I can really say. Is you are good, your mercy endures forever. Lord, help me. Help me to have more mercy, more grace this year than I did last year. Help me to receive your mercy and grace. Help me to dispense your mercy and grace. Instead of being critical, instead of judging people, instead of all these little things, uh, you know, because my skin is too thin, I'd get offended or whatever I get, right? And the good news is that mercy comes, right? I mean, in the Old Testament, there's, there's mercy, His compassions are new every morning. New Testament is everything's been downloaded into our hearts in the person of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that neat? So we have the program of mercy and grace in us. It's Christ in you. Christ is mercy. He is great. Right? God is gracious. That's who He is. He is great. Amen. Well, I hope I've been able to encourage you no matter where you're at in your life. You can't give up. You cannot give up. You have to press forward. And when you want to quit and you want to die and you want to go be with Jesus and the temptation comes to you to give your life, you say, well, Christians don't do that. Yes, they do. Yes, we do. And there's no shame in any of that. And if you know somebody that's going through that, you don't put them down and say, well, you're not praying enough. You don't even go to church anymore. What's your problem? Oh, you just you just shut down. You're putting a virus in that grace mercy program, and what's coming out is your own vitriol on people. That's terrible. When people are hurting, you don't start giving them this list of things to do. You come alongside. You cry with them for a while. 
You fix their car. You help them if they're sick. Whatever they need, you serve them. You don't say one single word about what they should be doing and what they're not doing. Because you're not showing them grace if you do that. Mercy? That's a joke. In fact, it's a reproach on Christ. I've done that. I've done that over the years. We've all done that. So now going forward, let's really say, God, please, I want to minister Your love and Your grace, God. Help me to receive it. Help me to give it to other people. And if, if, you, if you have a critical heart, I, I get critical. God, help me. I pray this about every morning. God, renew my mind because I have problems. Right? You guys, is anyone in here perfected yet? No. So you better be praying, God, renew my mind. Transform me into your likeness from glory to glory. That's my standard prayer I pray over myself every single morning. Because I know, see, when you're not saved, you're about ready to be judged and put in hell. You're a plane, you're, you're a Boeing 747 that's crashed. You're, you're, a, you're a wreck. When you get born again, you're a saved wreck. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that true or not? If you can't see it's true, <laughs> you're looking in the wrong mirror. Okay, We're all wrecks that need the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. And we can cry out to Him. We can receive it. And even when we don't cry out, even when we don't pray blessings over each other, even when we don't show other people mercy, even when we do every single thing wrong, what does He still do? He gives us grace and mercy because that's who He is and that's the covenant that we're in. Isn't that, isn't that great? So God is good. God is good. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.